1: I get villainized a lot. So I get the nasty messages. I get the nasty comments. And I try to find the humor in it. And I'm like, okay, they're just not there yet. Uh, But that's not going to stop me from my mission and what I'm trying to do, which is um, building lifelong learners and the next generation of leaders.
0: Yes. Come on, lifelong (laughs) learners. Hi. Hi. I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out. Last week, I talked with Dr. Britt. Always a pleasure to have her on the podcast. We talked about self-care. Tend to your boat. Love your boat. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you missed that episode, and you definitely should go back and listen, because that boat conversation was one for the book's friends. All right. Last week was also Teacher Appreciation Week. If you know me, you know that I'm not just a podcast host. I'm also a special educator and that I absolutely love my kiddos. But friends, this past year has been hard. Hard. Like maybe the hardest thing ever. (laughs) Um, Especially for teacher parents, right? Um, I can't even explain to you what teaching this year has looked like. We're not just teachers, we're bounty hunters. We have to find the kids that don't show up. Um, It's literally our job to hunt them down and find them. So we're teaching, we're bounty hunting, we are momming some of us or parenting, uh, praying for students that aren't showing up, worried about if they're eating or not, all these things, it has been insane. And here on Help A Human Out, you know the drill. Our job is to talk about the hard things. And teaching this year, like I said, was hard. And the thing about it is it wasn't just because it was in a pandemic. Really, it's because it was two pandemics. Obviously, we are talking about COVID-19 and the impact that it has had on our educational system, on the world globally, and then the pandemic of racism. And what does that look like for our students? What does that look like for educators? What does it look like for black and brown educators and black and brown children? And what can we do to make sure that the kids are going to be okay? Because if you listen to some other episodes, you know that the kids aren't always okay. So for all the teachers out there, we see you, we hear you. And to all not teachers, (laughs) please hear us. Today, we are going to have a critical conversation about teaching in a pandemic and living through a pandemic, pandemics, and how the kids and the teachers are doing. Today, I am honored to welcome Mrs. Warren, Jahara Warren. She is a Tampa native, is a mom, which, oh my God, she's momming and teaching. Pray for her, please. A grad student, wait a minute, let's just back this up. She's momming, she's teaching. And she's a lifelong learner, clearly. She is an educator. She is a passionate activist. She's been in a classroom for seven years, has taught grades three through five, and has brought culturally responsive instructional practices to her school. She is also one of my most favorite people to follow on the gram because Sojo, as we lovingly referred to her, is the teacher grammar. Her Instagram will teach you all the things about how to commit to anti-racism in your classrooms and in your life. So definitely want to follow her. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Mrs. Warren. We're going to call you Mrs. Warren because that is what your students call you. Yeah, Mrs. Warren. Yes, Mrs. Warren. Hello and welcome to the podcast, first and foremost. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So, we know, you and I both know as educators, that we recently celebrated Teacher Appreciation Week, which I personally think should be Teacher Appreciation Year uh, because it has been insane. Absolutely. We wanted to take a second. You know, on the podcast, we always talk about helping people out. That's the whole goal of the podcast, help a human out, right? Um, I have never realized just how you could only know what a teacher goes through when you become a teacher. That's just, that's just what it is. And so we wanted to take, take some time out for celebrating the people who really are helping humans, little humans in particular. And so we wanted to talk to you about what has it been like teaching through a pandemic?
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. I'd love to, to share about my experiences. And how has it been? Listen, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) struggle bus. So let's go back to uh, when the pandemic first hit. There was a lot of uncertainty and it was really, really scary because what seemed like something that wasn't going to affect us and affect us in, you know, specifically in America, suddenly became very real, very quick. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember just because I teach fifth grade. So we're getting the kids ready for sixth grade. And there's a lot of celebrations that go along with, um, with teaching them at that age. So it was just right before spring break, they said, okay, you know, grab a couple of things. We'll be virtual for a few weeks. And then we just never came back. So that was really hard, building a connection with students and then not really getting to tell them goodbye, not really Ugh. getting to see the rest of that growth um, that we usually have. So it, it was it was rough. Um, our district had like a week or two to figure out how to completely transition to an online platform. So there was a lot of learning lost. And uh, you'll hear that a lot. Oh, what about the learning loss? What about, you know, the children that, you know, what 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 about all this content that they missed? And I think we became so focused on what they missed that we, for, we took out the human element of students having to deal with- What they're going through. What they're going through, yeah. Some of them have okay. parents that are in the medical field.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so let me pause you real quick. Sure. What grade do you teach now? I currently teach fifth grade. Okay, so you're teaching fifth grade, and at this point, when this pandemic hits, how long have you been a teacher?
1: I had been almost done with my sixth year of teaching.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so you've been teaching for six years. This is completely unprecedented. You've never seen. You haven't never taught through a pandemic,
1: no. And I would say I had a little bit of an advantage because I at least know how teaching works. But my heart goes out to those first year teachers who yeah, never hello. knew.
0: Like hello. Like, first year teaching wound up in a pandemic and you you remember back to those those first year that first year of teaching it is it is trial and error it is prayer it is universal intervention if you believe in that kind of thing it is i don't think i can do this right it's a it's a whole lot of things and then you throw in a global pandemic right. in your first year of teaching and so yeah like i I, some days I literally don't know how any of us survived, right? I, but exactly. especially those first-year teachers who went into teaching, wanting to save the world, of course, and all the while ended up in a global pandemic. Okay, so you're teaching fifth grade. The pandemic kicks off. And how are you navigating it? What's happening? Oh,
1: listen, struggle bus, prayer, holy water, sprinkle it everywhere, sage, yes. my whole house. Uh, <laughs> come on. It was stressful. I mean, you had veteran teachers with 20 plus years that would just be crying all the time because you're being held to the, we were being held to the same standards as when there's not a pandemic. So how are you supposed to navigate teaching students when some of them don't have internet access. Some of them don't have a safe place to stay. Some of them, school was their safe place. And you're trying Ugh. to still be that same um, safe haven for them. And some students I just didn't see again. And that's
0: Like at all. I just didn't see yes. them again. I don't think people understand. I don't know. Let me, let, me, let me state this the right way. I didn't even understand, Right how the privilege I think of of people who were able to sustain their education right um sustained during a pandemic in general, I think this completely highlighted so many different things, and like you said, like school is a lot of our children's safe spaces. people don't always know that because their life situations aren't the same, right? You have absolutely kids who don't depend on school for food, you have kids who are don't have, you know, they have complete mom and dad at home and this and that. And I have kiddos who we refer to like where, where's your grown-up? Right. Because it's not mom and dad that are at home. Yeah. It's auntie sometimes, it's grandma, it's all these different things. And do you feel with when while you're teaching, do you feel as though sometimes, and I am I'm asking this because I do. Do you feel as though sometimes you have a front row seat to generational trauma? Absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. How how some of them are
1: being talked to. And then you got this very intimate access into their homes during the yeah. pandemic. And just seeing how some of them, like they feel comfort in just being under their bed or being in their closet or things like that. And you can hear um, their the grownups yelling. Yeah, exactly. It. it it is. It's hard, especially when you're an empath. It's hard, like going through some of that vicarious trauma
0: that Ooh, we see. Yes, and and just to, for those of you who are listening who might not know what an empath is, um, I identify as an empath. Johora, obviously, you identify as an empath. Um, we're feelers. We feel everything. Sometimes I wonder why we, you know, we want to do this and we get into this this profession, and then I realize, who we? If you are not grounded, if you are not sage in the hell out of yourself most days you take it all in and you do this pandemic has rocked all of our worlds but one of the things that's really interesting to me is um i recognize right now that parents have it really difficult right and i also recognize that teachers have it really difficult so teacher parents are losing their shit absolutely Talk to me a little bit about motherhood and being a teacher and what that has meant during this pandemic.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I have little babies. Um, When the pandemic started, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so trying to teach while having children that were literally clinging onto me all the time like could not be my best teaching self, in addition to being in um, a pandemic. And then going back to school the next school year, just being so scared that I was going to bring something back home to them, that I was going to get them sick, or that I was going to get my mom who watches them, that I was going to get her sick. So that was a lot, that was very traumatic going back into the school building, which I'm in Florida, they don't care about us. (laughs) You can hashtag me. You can say, Dash, Johorah Warren said this. No, Florida does not (laughs) care about their teachers. So we just, we went right back in the classroom, still not knowing how this this, uh, virus was affecting people. And I was scared every single day that I was going to be the one that transferred something to my mother and kill her. And kill my mm. my children's grandparents. It was very very um, stressful and 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 traumatic trying to navigate through that. Just seeing like your students just not be there for a few weeks, and it's like, are they okay? Is
0: their family okay? And just stressing out about that all the time. So I think a lot of times people think that our jobs consist of lesson planning and then teaching. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize the emotional side of it. The I'm home at night and I'm thinking about that kid who's been missing for weeks. Yes. I'm contemplating, are they eating? Are they sleeping? What are are they safe? Are they safe? All of these things, right? And it's mind-blowing to me that even after 2020 and even after a year and a pandemic, they still don't give a shit about teachers. Absolutely, they don't. What?
1: It was all well think, and good
0: until when they yes. had to
1: educate their own children for a little bit. It was all well and good like, "Oh, teachers are the best, but now we're we're back to being the villains." <laughs> yeah.
0: And and just the things that I think were expected of us as okay, like friends, we have not done this virtually like ever. Um, some of us are very new at this. Teachers who had been teaching for 20 plus years, we're still struggling in the virtual side of it because it was new. Exactly. New programs. You got your Nearpods and your seesaws and your hoo and what? <laughs> like, yeah. what? It, it's so much yes. to, to have. And not only that, but as people of color, we're not only dealing with this pandemic where people are dying because of COVID-19, we are literally watching a second pandemic of racism infiltrate as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how, 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 how are you navigating this? How are you navigating pandemic, motherhood, and racism?
1: Yeah. Pandemic, motherhood, and being a teacher of color. It's it's really a perfect shitstorm, right? Yeah, it is. So mm-hmm. when we started, when the pandemic started, we had Ahmaud Arbery we had uh George Floyd we had Breonna Taylor and it was back <sighs> to back to back and then you Elijah ha-
0: McClain it was just Elijah they McClain. just kept
1: coming it kept coming and it was like you know when it's a normal school year you can kind of like navigate through that but when Never that it's okay. But you have like something to kind of distract you. But when you're at home all day and all you can see, you have access to the news reports. You have access to the Facebooks. You have access to people who keep replaying videos of these things. That is traumatizing. Teachers of color are not okay right now.
0: I am so glad you said that. Um, I don't, No, I don't. It's not that I don't think. I know they don't get it. No, they don't. They don't get it. Uh, uh, You know, we're constantly seeing people who look like us die in the streets, bodies left in the streets for hours at a time. I don't know how many mothers I've seen cry these, like, it almost sounds like sometimes when you hear the cries, it almost sounds like. I, I can't even explain. I I don't have to explain it cuz I know you know what I mean. Yeah. Um but we see these mothers crying and we we see leaders come out and talk about another hashtag and this like that this and that and then we're overwhelmed. Yep. We're sad and we still have to get up and teach the next day. We still do.
1: We still do. I remember they had a mandatory uh training for me. And this was right after like Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, all of these. And I just remember it was a bad mental health day. And I was sitting during this training that was mandatory and I couldn't even access or receive the information because I was so hurt. I was so devastated. And then that brought a lot of anger and frustration that you have these people that are just continuing on as if nothing has happened or nothing has changed. And it's like, mm-hmm. we can't do that because we know we could be next or your yep. partner could be next or your children could be next. And I I want you to know, I said it here, like I will set the world on fire
0: for my yeah. children. Mm-hmm. And it's and- just, yeah. It's and, and when they don't understand, right? And then you, you know, not only are you dealing with the pandemic and then the, the racial pandemic and all of this, then you then you go into a workspace where, and I don't know who, who all your coworkers are, and, and but I know that plenty of people have to go back into these workspaces, whether they're virtual or not, and they have to hear things like, "Well, I don't understand why they're writing. I bet the hell you don't. right. Because you've never been this angry. Exactly. You've never been this sad. You've never witnessed such trauma and terror. I get why they're rioting. Mm -hmm. I understand it. It's not not my cup of tea, but I'll tell you right now, I understand it. Absolutely. And so not only are we tasked with teaching children and protecting children, uh, then we have to sit through 10 minutes of silence For George Floyd and this. And then, hey, you should talk to your students about this. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I haven't even processed this. And now I have to take it into the classroom and talk to first graders about this. You know, and that shows like the
1: differences of where we work. Because we were heavily discouraged to not talk about (gasps) anything political. As in people being wrongfully Killed in the middle of the streets by people that were supposed to protect and, and serve us. We're not supposed to bring it up. We're, you know, I'm sorry, that's not something for, for children. Well, you know what? If children are young enough to experience racism, children are old enough to learn about racism. Children are old enough to hear about how unchecked biases lead to. Demonic actions. It leads to murder. It leads to harm of Black and Brown people. We are seeing that because you didn't have people, a community that rallied behind um, anti bias and anti racism instruction. So I'm hurting, but I know I've had to be vocal in the classroom. And of course, I've had clapbacks, I've had pushbacks, I've had been called into the principal's office multiple times because of yet another. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> another parent that was upset because I'm indoctrinating their children. That's but- so
0: funny that you're indoctrinating their children when all the while they're still saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Exactly.
1: Oh, that's not indoctrinating? They don't even know right. what, what they're saying or what they're you know pledging to.
0: And it <laughs> wraps up with, and liberty and justice for all, but we're not indoctrinating? Come right. the hell on. And you would think that schools would value the educators that are pushing for social justice. You would value the educators that... I am so tired of hearing, let's do what's best for students, while we're literally not doing what's best for students. Exactly. It's I'm performative. Like, it's so performative. It's, it's like the Black Squares on Instagram. Yeah, fuck about Black you, Square. We want change. We want change. I want these kids to actually grow and learn and be social justice driven and make sure that they exist in the world exactly how they're supposed to be able to exist in the world, their authentic self. And yet you're telling us not even to be our authentic selves exactly. in the classroom. Exactly. Be less of yourself. Turn turn that down a little bit. Turn that other part up a oh, little yeah. bit. Be quiet. Just be quiet.
1: Stick to the standards. I can't stick to the standards when I'm literally experiencing experiencing trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma, which let's be clear, Black and brown educators are experiencing trauma right now. And just mm-hmm. like we we preach SEL and social emotional learning for our students, but we don't actually practice it because social emotional learning looks very different for black and brown students. And it looks very different for black and brown educators, because mm-hmm. if we're not addressing the, the murder that and kids have access to a lot of these things now, they are seeing these things. They know about these things. Um, so kids have a lot of access to these murders and these videos and things like that. So they have questions. And wouldn't you rather them talk about these questions with a trusted adult that's going to navigate and kind of um, address their misconceptions? Or would you rather them have these unchecked biases and just these errors in, in their thought processes?
0: It's It's sad and it's hard. Yes. And I wonder... I know that we're all struggling um as we wrap up the school year, right? How do you think how do you think the kids are doing? You know it's funny you ask that. I really
1: believe in my heart of hearts that in ten years and fifteen years, we're going to see the true impacts, like there's going to be studies on kids that lived through the pandemic based off of how how they have um Survived, and I don't know.
0: We I don't have know. no idea. We have no idea what this is going to look like in a decade. Yeah, I I, com- I completely agree. I think about how <laughs> I think about how we've been. They've taught us for years about limiting screen time. Yeah, and now we got our babies virtual for eight hours a day. Yes, and what is the impact of that on the brain? And what you know? And then I think about everyone who all oh, the kids are falling behind the kids are falling behind and let's push them and let's still do nwea testing and let's still do all these things and i'm like the kids are living through a completely traumatic event exactly we need to focus on their social emotional well-being we over do anything we will like listen are they falling behind yeah probably they probably are right Is it the end of the world that they're falling behind? No, I don't think so, because they're living through a pandemic and racism and all of these crazy things that no children should ever have to live through. Exactly. So if we have to spend a little extra time pouring in the social emotional learning right now, instead of trying to, who are your priority? I hate this. Who are your priority students? Is it so rude that when they ask me who my priority students are, I'm like, all All of them. them. (laughs) All of them. All of them. (laughs) I like you're you're telling me to pick priority students. Okay. All my kids. And it's like, I have two kids. You think I'm going to just tell you one of them is my priority. Right? No, (laughs) I have two daughters. They're both my priority. Just like all my priority students are all of my students. It's just like this. this, It's so political and hard. And I, and I agree with you. I don't know how the, the kids are. I do think we'll see the effects of this years from now. And hell, I don't even know if we're going to be okay. I know. I'm not, I really, do. <laughs> I'm not even, I, I, I am, the therapy has ramped up. Yes. It has, it has very much ramped up. What are you doing for self-care to survive all of this?
1: Listen, I have found like my people. Um, So Good. we call ourselves like co-conspirators. So at my school, I found ah, like I my people that it's like, listen, racial fatigue has hit a threshold. I need my white allies to jump in. And those are my people. They're the I'm ones. Need, I'm going to need you to
0: use your privilege yeah, on this. Use
1: your, and they're like, got it. I'm on, I'm on it. So you need to go to bat for this situation because this impacts all of us. It shouldn't be the black and brown teachers that are always the ones that are addressing race issues. So I found my tribe and we've, um, or my group rather, and we've just, um, we have like a shared text a uh, strand where we're constantly like talking to each other and it's like hey today is a bad mental health day and they know to like come to my classroom during planning or they know to uh, like hey I'll I'll read a read aloud to your students or whatever so finding like those ways that we can give each other like a little bit of grace and a break during the school day and just um Finding things that I love and I enjoy. So reading and writing and, you know, things like that. I try not to use, like, advocacy as my self-care because...
0: Yeah, that's hard. Yeah,
1: it is. Like It's draining. Yeah, it is. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to just go out and I'm going to rally. And that makes me feel good. But no, sometimes it makes me feel bad. Sometimes it does. Just being around, around that and just, like constantly being reminded of it. So just finding things that makes me feel like Jehorah.
0: One, um, full transparency. So I follow you on the gram <laughs> and I think what I have. Okay. So for, for the helpers listening um, for the helpers listening, fun fact, uh, Jahara's sister is one of my best friends. Her name is Indira. Um, and she is a feisty little thing, isn't she? It's, she mm-hmm. is just, she brings a lot of joy to my life. And by default, uh, I found you on the gram because, you know, she obviously follows you. And I was like, oh my gosh, your sister, you know, she bragged about her sister who was a teacher. And she, when I told her I was becoming a teacher, she was like, oh my gosh, you have to follow my sister. So I did. And the reason why I wanted to speak to you, especially um, when we were talking about doing this episode, is because your everything, who you are, your passion, what you push for, what you believe, what you stand for is so evident. And and here's the thing, being in the system now, I know that that's not an easy thing to do. You will become, the, you will become villainized very quickly. You're not a villain by any means. You are one of the people who are actually doing what's best for kids. But of course, when you do that, you become the villain um, and you will have all the pushback. But one of the things that you pushed me on and it. it I got to tell you, sis, it was not easy, but it was Dr. Seuss. It was Dr. Seuss and I held on to Dr. Seuss for a long time and I found myself Keep coming back to your post. Or even when I wasn't looking for them, those bad boys would pop up on me like, hey, you still reading those racist ass books to your kids? And I was like, well, yes, I actually am. And I wasn't ready to let Dr. Seuss go. I, I got to be honest, like, I was not ready to let Dr. Seuss go. And I think that that is the really hard part of anti-racism, right? It's like, you really have to question everything. You do. And it's not easy. And so one, I want to thank you for being someone on the internet who is literally pushing all of us, not just our peach friends. We all have shit to learn and unlearn, right? Right, absolutely, we do. And, and so I want to say thank you for just the way you show up in the virtual space. It's very powerful. It is very... Empowering, and sometimes it'll it'll check a bitch because I'm (laughs) I'm like, I have been reading some Doctor Seuss to these kids, and let me not do this, and and so I just think that as we commit to anti-racism, and especially as we commit to being anti-racist teachers and anti-racist educators in general, we have to be mindful of everything
1: we do, we do,
0: and because you lead such a beautiful example of that on the interwebs. Tell me how you have embodied that because it is it is very, very beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. So I, I accept that and I receive that. Um, it's really difficult for me to accept compliments. So I'm trying to work on it. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, how do I embody it? It's not easy. Um, but as I learn and I, as I learn things, I try to share things. Um, I've learned to not assume that everyone has that knowledge, or everyone has the access to that knowledge, or everyone wants to have access to that knowledge. So, as I learn things, I'm like, I reflect on it, I sit in it for a little bit, and then I realize I'm I'm not right all the time. So, yes. I've done the Dr. Seuss activities, absolutely. The Grinch, giving up the Grinch? Oh, that heartwarming story! Are you getting me? Come on, <laughs> that That's was a hard And then I remember, like, if I'm not willing to do something this small, am I willing and able to do something bigger than that? Yeah. Um, If I'm not willing to give up something that was just—it takes— Decentering myself because I, I was reading Dr. Seuss because I liked it and I enjoyed yeah. it. Not necessarily yeah. that the kids even really cared about it. You know, kids evolve and they change and so should your, um, your instruction. We should always be striving to do, be doing better. And as we dismantle white supremacist culture bit by bit, we're going to have to adjust and, um, it, it really just takes doing that. So again, I found like I'm very community centered, <laughs> if, if you can't tell, but yes. I found like my people who are like the ones that are like also dropping the this knowledge because I get villainized a lot. So I get the nasty messages. I get the nasty comments and I try to find the humor in it. And I'm like, okay, they're just not there yet. Uh, But that's not going to stop me from my mission and what I'm trying to do, which is um, building lifelong learners and the next generation of leaders. Um, Yes. Yeah. So.
0: Come on, lifelong (laughs) learners. It's those critical thinking skills. And I think that that's so important, right? Because how are we teaching our kids to have critical thinking skills if we're not critically thinking ourselves? Exactly. And by just regurgitating, you know, read it. what is it? Read across America and all of a sudden we have Dr. Seuss and we're just reading it, it for me it was not the grinch actually, it was all oh, the places they'll go oh, or they'll all yeah. oh, the, oh my god. Yes. I, giving that up was I literally had the book in my hand and I thought about you. <laughs> 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 I said okay. I got it's time it's time to let it go and I and I think about just all of these systems of oppression that were gifted to us. We yeah. didn't even know. You know, and I think about the things that I learned in high school. Do you know I didn't learn about Emmett Till. I went home and we were talking about certain things and I remember my mom saying, "Go back to school and ask them about Emmett Till." Like it wasn't even something that we discussed and if you don't know, helpers listening, if you don't know who Emmett Till is, I am not going to educate you on that, but it is something you absolutely should know about it is something that everyone should know about and and they are not they're not teaching the like we're not educating our kids correctly if we're leaving things out and we're lying or we're prettying them up like christopher columbus oh yeah girl when my six-year-old daughter came home and told me how cool of a man christopher columbus was i almost lost my shit i'm throwing up
1: in my mouth a little
0: bit can you even imagine? I, I can't. And
1: she's I can't. telling
0: me stories, I, and I and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is not real life. What is this? Are okay? This is what we're doing, and so you know we have to all move forward. We have to all be better, especially when we're thinking about Im- how impressionable young minds are. Yes, exactly,
1: and because um, to speak to that, like I didn't learn that Christopher Columbus was in fact trash until sixth grade. <laughs> My teacher said it in passing like oh yeah Christopher Columbus he didn't discover America actually he like murdered a bunch of indigenous people and I was like he committed genocide you're like like, wait what oh hold on so all the cute songs we learned all the stupid crafts we done like were 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 for not and I dress it up like pilgrims yes exactly and we we keep um, feeling like our children aren't ready to hear these things and I I didn't feel like I was being like sheltered and protected. I felt like I was lied to. I genuinely felt like I was lied to and I'm not in the business of lying to children. So you can make things age appropriate, sure, but you don't have to keep perpetuating these these racist ideologies, this whitewashed curriculum. It's not doing them any favors. White or brown students alike.
0: All of them. Like, we all need to know the truth. The truth is the only thing that's going to set us all free. And quite frankly, we are not free, period. So we need to keep working on that. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about education, about anti-racism, about all these things. But we do not have forever. So one, I want to say, I'm so grateful that there are teachers like you. Um, You inspire teachers like me to, to not just talk the talk but to walk the walk. Right. And, and it is a daily practice. It is something that does not come easy. Um, and I want to say like, if as black educators, if as educators of color, we struggle too. I know that it's not as easy or easier for our peach counterparts. Right. But rise to the challenge, peach people, please rise to the challenge because we all have to, we will not um, we will be doing our students, our kids, and, and the leaders of tomorrow a great disservice if we do not rise to the occasion. Exactly. Um, so with that being said, what advice do you have for parents um, and for other teachers? What is the ultimate takeaway? What have you, what has this whole pandemic racism? I know this is a very loaded question, but you, I know you're going to take it home for me. When you think about what you have learned personally over the last year, um, the virtual side of it, going back to in-person, all the death that surrounded everything with COVID, and then, of course, you know, the the constant hashtags, right, of uh, Black and brown bodies and people being killed by milita- militarized police. How have you grown? How do you take it into your classroom? And what do you want parents and teachers to know?
1: So I would say for, um, for black and brown educators to advocate for yourself. So understanding like these events that occur are traumatic. And if you have a meeting the next day, you cannot be your best self if you are focusing and ruminating on that. So advocate for yourself. You know, unfortunately i will not be able to attend this meeting today due to the and then be ex- explicit about what is happening in this world today because of you know the the this murder of another unarmed person so that's something to i've learned to advocate for myself um for parents your children are going to be okay the learning loss that's a myth like focus on your children's mental health right now focus on them um so, like socializing them again and um, just like kind of normalizing like what, what we're going through and um, dealing with that. And then for educators, again, um, don't be afraid to have these tough conversations uh, because I promise you that the one or two parents that are upset about it isn't going to negate from the long-term, what you're doing and how that's impacting um, those oppressed um, and marginalized children in your classroom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am so grateful for you for many reasons, especially for your Instagram. Please tell everybody where to follow you because if you're an educator, even if you're not an educator, if you come into contact with children, <laughs> <laughs> if in some capacity you come into contact with children you should be following Mrs. Warren. So please tell them how they can find you on the gram.
1: Absolutely. You will see a lot of shenanigans in addition to anti-racist and anti-bias work. Um, so my Instagram is at that's so, and then Joe Horrible. So my name is Johora Johorrible, J-O-H-O-R-R-I-B-L-E.
0: Thank you so much. First of all, love you to death. Love that you are an educator. So grateful to have you as somebody I can aspire to teach like and to, to follow through, you know, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk as well. And I hope you know I'll be sliding into your DMs often to ask lots of educator questions. Absolutely, feel free. I will, I'm so <laughs> grateful to you. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I actually did not always want to be a teacher. In fact, it was a teacher who reminded me of this. Apparently in kindergarten, um our music teacher asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. My music teacher at the time was Miss Hansen, and I told Miss Hansen that I wanted to be a lawyer actually in kindergarten. I said, "Miss Hansen, I want to be a lawyer because I want to put my brothers in jail." <laughs> that is really what I said. And then in 6th grade, years later, she asked me again what I wanted to be when I grow up, and I again said I wanted to be a lawyer, but this time I was showing my brothers a little more love, and I said I want to be a lawyer because I want to help get my brothers out of jail. I didn't really have high hopes for my brothers, but that is not the point. The point is, I remember every single teacher that I ever had, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Kindergarten Miss Visser, first grade Miss Kirshner. second grade Miss Stevens, who I'm still friends with on Facebook, third grade Miss Gertz, fiery redhead. Excellent teacher. May she rest in peace. Fourth grade didn't really like her. Miss Hunt, sorry, you are not the kindest. Fifth grade, Mr. Juresky. Sixth grade, Mr. Patrick. I loved my teachers. I'm still friends with some of my high school educators. They were incredible. They molded me. They shaped me who like the person that I am would not exist without the educators that were placed into my life. And I was lucky. I was lucky because all of the educators are not great. And it becomes a little more complicated when you're dealing with not great educators and you're also dealing with a pandemic, you're dealing with racism, you're dealing with a system that is hell-bent on continuing oppression, even though they claim that they're not. I was really happy to talk to Mrs. Warren because she has even challenged my own thinking on education, on anti-racism, on things that really, really matter. And the truth of the matter is 2020 and a pandemic and racism, these are things that are not brand new, right? Uh, There have been pandemics before. Racism, (laughs) (laughs) this country was based on, based on racism, built on racism. We know that it exists and it's here. But I think people are fed up. And I think people really do want to change. And I think that because our kids spend so much of their time in a classroom, if we want the changes to happen, the changes that we say we're committed to, the anti-racism, Um, social-emotional learning, those things that are important. We have to pour more money into our schools, pour more money into our teachers because your teachers are burnt out. We are exhausted and we love what we do. We're not exhausted because we wake up every day and we hate our job. We love our job so much and we're not adequately paid for it. We put in overtime and we're not paid for it. We become nurses and, like I said, bounty hunters and second parents and we show up for your kids. We love them like they are our own. And teachers are very much underappreciated. I love something that Mrs. Warren said. She said that... Your kids are going to be okay. And I think that that's important to remind you because they will. They will be okay. And they're going to be okay because hopefully they have an amazing teacher. Are the teachers going to be okay though? I'm actually not sure. Kids are resilient as hell. They bounce back. But we are grown ass adults navigating multiple things. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult. But with teachers like Mrs. Warren, a teacher that I definitely aspire to be like, teachers like Miss Gertz, my third grade teacher, who told me I could be anything I wanted to be and it was like the first person, she was like the first person to ever say that to me and I believed her. Those are the teachers that are really making a difference. Those are the teachers that are leading, that are really, really building critical thinking We got to do more for our teachers. We have to make sure that our parents know to advocate for their kids. You as a parent have so much power. You have so much power as a parent. And we want to empower you. Talk to the administration. Tell them your questions. Tell them these things because we can only do so much as teachers. But when we're backed by parents, we can do even more. Question your kids' teachers about the whitewash history they're learning. Why the hell do we think Christopher Columbus is a good guy? I don't know. Unless your definition of good guy is committing mass genocide, okay. But that's not mine. And as an educator, I can tell you, it makes me want to vomit that we're teaching this still. I want to thank mrs warren for her time her energy her expertise her passion activism advocacy i want to thank her for doing a often thankless job i want to thank her for being a teacher in a pandemic and i want to thank her for being a minority teacher during a pandemic and during the crazy ash year of racism many years of racism but the one this one in particular Please follow her on Instagram. She will expand your mind, your heart, your spirit at That's So Joe Horrible. It's also linked in the show notes. And just remember that Teacher Appreciation Week is one week. But put your money where your mouth is. Fund programs. Help teachers. Lobby all right reach out to your city council talk to the people who represent your students your teachers your communities talk to your school board your voice matters show up to the meetings all right your voice matters you don't like it tell them they'll have to change it they're dealing with your kids if there's one thing I know about parents, or if we're being equitable here, grown ups, because everybody's not raised by a parent, but if we're talking about kids and we're talking about education, you are more powerful than you know. And your kids, there is nobody that is more of an expert than you are. You have more power than you know. And as teachers, we have to be empowered to push back on curriculum, on racist practices, on militarized whatever, we have to do better. If you have a question that you would like us to answer, you know you can send us an email at podcast at co, or you can DM us on Instagram at ha-ho podcast. That's at H-A-H-O podcast. Help a Human Out is produced by Emma Martins and Red Yoakum of Red Rock Music and is brought to you by Still Kicking. I'm your host, Miss Danielle, an educator. See you next time.